Lead singer Rick Ocasek found dead at the age of 75 yesterday after uh, New York Police Department said they responded to a 911 call around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They found him in his Manhattan apartment and there were no signs of foul play, but the medical examiner uh, still has to determine a cause of death. I'm here to talk about Rick Ocasek and the cars and their... um, Importance to music industry on a whole. Eric Alpert, he is a music industry publicist and expert. You've heard him on the show before. Welcome to the show, Eric. Good to have you on. Hey, Kelly. Great to be here. So, I mean, a little bit of a shock. We lost Eddie Money on Friday, and now we've lost another singer that was, you know, uh, from a band that was important, at least uh, as far as the 80s was concerned. Rick Ocasek passed away. Yeah, we're going to unfortunately hear and see these things a lot in the next couple of years as a lot of these classic rockers, and it kind of pained for me to say that the music that we're all growing up with is considered classic rock with Eddie Money passing away a couple of days earlier. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is what happens when a lot of these rock and rollers start to get in their late 60s and 70s. It's just the absolute brunt of what they put their bodies through for decades is finally catching up to uh, a lot of people a little bit earlier than expected. Yeah, I love whenever you you talk about uh, people passing away and then they cut to a documentary, you know, they cut to a clip of... um, or Keith Richards, he's like, yeah, I'm just lucky I dodged that bullet. I don't know why I'm still alive. Was there? He had a lot of drug use, but was there a lot of drug use within the the band, the Cars? Because I don't recall them ever being, you know, pointed out as one of those hard living bands. Not at all. The, his only vice was smoking, actually, um, and lived a really good life. You know, had, um, you know, uh, was around long before the Cars broke in 1978 with just. Probably the best one, two, three punch of any debut album ever with just what I needed and my best friend's girl and let the good times roll. Um, But he played in folk bands for a number of years and decided to follow his heart and do a little bit more art rock and combining uh, the gloss of, of synthesizers and what new wave music did. Uh, mixing it with uh, with the classic rock sounds of the 50s and 60s that he grew up with. Yeah, you know, and I hear some, it's interesting because I was listening to some Cars music today and you can almost hear some bluegrass buried in, in their music somewhere, which sounds bizarre, but listen to a couple of uh, tunes and you might get what, I, what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 that clip that you played um, with my best friend's girl, that mm-hmm. little, that, that guitar, <laughs> that's a banjo. Like, yeah. Well, it, it's not really a banjo, but... It certainly is, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, which kind of makes them, you know, all the more amazing when they broke um, in 1978, you know, because at the time there was a lot of hope being put on the Sex Pistols breaking America and they blew themselves up. Blondie didn't even have their first hits until later on. Um, you know, the Clash were still, you know, there, but not really breaking as much as they did a year later. So everybody was kind of looking at, you know, bands that were really kind of coming out of Boston. You had Boston that was headed up by Tom Schultz and Aerosmith with Joe Perry and Steve Tyler. Uh, the cars just seemed new. They seemed now. They seemed fresh. And they seemed like they were the ones that were going to be moving music in the future. And they certainly did when MTV started to play you know, a lot of their stuff, but like, you know, 
holy smokes. I remember the days when I think every third video was you might think. Yeah. In 1988, that band broke up. So really, they were only together for a decade. Yeah, and then he went on to uh, to have a really great career as a producer. Not only was he producing, you know, little bit punk bands like like Suicide, um, but he also went on to produce Weezer's first album that pretty much sounds like The Cars, really. And he produced No Doubt and Gwen Stefani. So he brought that nice glossy sheen of power pop and a little bit of punk um, to the masses. And uh, you know, did what he wanted to do in the way that he wanted to do it. In fact, he was an A&R guy for Electra Records um, in the uh, early 2000s and brought the Black Keys to the label, um, and the label actually turned them down. And look at the Black Keys selling over 15 million albums around the world. Why would you turn down somebody that Rick Ocasek brings you? I mean, he clearly has an ear. One of the things that uh, Rick Ocasek is uh, well-known for as well is marrying Paulina Portskova, who was one of the original, if not the original, uh, supermodels. And they announced their separation last year. Her tweet was so weird. Uh, She said that their family's a well-built car, but as a bicycle, my husband and I no longer pedal in unison, whatever that meant. That's like when REM lost their drummer Bill Burry, uh, Bill, uh, yeah, Bill Burry to retirement. They said we're still a dog, but we're a three-legged dog. It's like just you know, um, you know, when he married Paulina, I think I speak for every you know male in the universe when I say that's why you become a rock star, isn't it? Yeah, just, you know, third marriage, six kids, all in total. You know, that, he lived a really, really good life and got to do what he wanted to do. But yeah, that, that tweet is a little bit, uh, a little bit art, artsy, too. Let me ask you this. Um, I know that Nirvana, they covered My Best Friend's Girl at their last live show in 94. Let's just play a little clip of it. And it's, you know, it sounds like a garage band, funnily enough. But um, clearly, if you're going to cover someone in a concert and it is your, you know, uh, a big show for you back in 94, you know, Nirvana was at their height. You cover a band you really respect. Is there anything, um, you know, I have to wonder what's in the name because Rick Ocasek formed um, the band Cars with Benjamin Orr. And in 1965, they had actually formed their first band. It was called ID Nirvana. Yeah. Did Nirvana pick their name based on that earlier band? No, I think that they just took it from a, from a thought of pure bliss. But, you know, the, the, the connection between Nirvana and the cars isn't one that's so, um, isn't one that's large. You know, Kurt Cobain was a huge fan of the Beatles, loved, you know, the classic pop. I mean, that's all, that's all Nirvana really was. It was just a pop band with mm-hmm. loud guitars. He used verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus, bridge, chorus. And he wanted to get to the chorus in like less than 30 seconds just like the cars did and again you know when you're when you're a teenager around 1984 1985 you're hearing about 15 to 20 car songs on the radio on a regular basis you know when they broke through huge with 1984 it's hard 
Heartbeat City, there were nine songs on the record. Six of them were singles. Like, that has to be um, in the mind of any teenage guy that wants to become a rock and roll star on how it's done. And you do it with credibility, you do it with fun-looking videos, and you do it with great songwriting. And that's exactly what Kurt Cobain wanted to do. Yeah, you said that Rico Kasich became a, a label rep and he'd go out scouting bands after, you know, his retirement from the music industry and being in, in the cars. You know, there has to be some insight at play there that he would, you know, record songs that were like two minutes, 2.30, 2.40, when in that time there were people like Michael Jackson recording songs that were so long. Like this yeah. is a good leg up on people, on your competition, if you want to get on the radio. Yeah, and it's also um, it's also not wanting to stretch the boundaries with what is given to you. You know, Michael Jackson wanted to stretch everything. He wanted to make the videos bigger, more expensive. He wanted to make the stage show more glamorous, more more just extravagant. Rick Ocasek never really moved an inch. When he was on stage, he was, by all accounts, a sweetheart of a man who wore dark sunglasses as a way to kind of make it a little bit icy and mysterious. So he was, you know, Rick was was pretty cool with the constraints that music had put on his left and his right brain, um, not wanting to stretch the boundaries a little bit more and, and left, you know, the art side of it to, to him and Benjamin or the other lead singer of the band when they wanted to create their own album covers or work with directors for the videos like you might think. That's how he stretched it. But you never mess with the music, though. You had to get in, you had to get out, and you had to have hits. I appreciate the time today, Eric. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks, Kelly. Have a great day. Rick Ocasek, 75, passed away yesterday in his uh, home in New York.